Hello everyone! Welcome to the first episode of Eat With Care. My name is Muriel and I'm here with Fran. Hey everyone! Nice to be here with you. And we will... Actually, we want to explore some ingredients in our podcast and we want to start today with the chickpea. So, Fran, when you hear the word chickpea, what comes to your mind? What do you think? It's so crazy because the first thing that comes to my mind is hummus. Because, I mean, it's just so great and so, so, so delicious. And now it's just so part of our, our diet. And everywhere we go, every supermarket, you just can find it. But it's actually crazy because since I arrived in Italy, I also saw so many recipes that, are, have, that use chickpeas as a main ingredient. Exactly. So I think it's so funny that you see that almost everywhere, at least in the Mediterranean, you, you have like classical recipes with chickpea. So that's, that is also catching my attention these days. Exactly. For me, also, it's the hummus that comes to my mind. It's very present. I'm from Switzerland, and there you can see it, like in every supermarket as well, and here in Italy as well. Um, and I also, I also think about a chickpea curry. I have to say because it's something I really love. So that's what that's the second thing that comes to my mind. The second recipe. Ah, that's yeah. so nice. Like this Indian curry. Exactly. Ah, exactly. With tomatoes. It. Exactly. Mm, it's great. But I just love that when we, we experiment the chickpea, the fried chickpea that is actually from Sicily, mm-hmm. the panele. So you do like a chickpea dough and then you, you cut that dough and you fry it. And I mean, it's just so good. And oh. I never heard about it until exactly. coming here. Why? I mean, exactly. So I guess for me, it's also like for me, it's more, and we will talk about the origin as well. A little later in the podcast but for me i i think about the eastern mediterranean cuisine that's where i kind of place the chickpea and now we were both i think surprised by how it's present here in italy as well right exactly yeah. that's very nice to see that we have these maybe preconceptions of ingredients to a certain and we locate these ingredients in a certain area and then we just discover that they are so so bigger than they are bigger than the area where we imagine them and that's great exactly so uh let's go a little deeper into the chickpea so we consume actually chickpeas mostly canned or dried and so as such we know it as this beige roundish a little wrinkly looks like an old person (laughs) brittle palates and but did you know that you could actually consume chickpeas fresh as well like you can actually if you had like a chickpea like on a farm you could go there and you can consume the fresh chickpeas but like like a pea exactly like a pea like a fava bean like a fava bean oh no way you didn't know no me neither i I never ate the chickpea like that i know we just know the canned or dried chickpeas and i mean the canned ones are uh dried as well before and cooked so very interesting um Anyways, so the chickpeas, it's actually part of, so if we go a little more into like the, the biological origin of it, it's a part of the so-called Fabaceae family. I hope I'll pronounce it uh, correctly. <laughs> if not, please excuse me. And this so-called Fabaceae family, it includes all the peas and beans. And um, as such, it is actually a legume. That's in English, it's called legume. And the legume is the whole plant. So it's the stem and the seed and the leaves. But what we consume of it, the chickpea itself, it's actually the seed. And as such, we call it a pulse. So that's the difference between pulse and legume. Exactly. Oh my God. Exactly. Thank you. I didn't know before. And actually, funny thing is the word pulses wasn't really common to me. But now we have in a university, we have this dish, which is called cooked vegetables and pulses salad. 
And that's where I realized, oh, the pulses, it's all the beans and all the peas and it involves all that. So here that's we actually something. super interesting. So like beans are pulses, lentils are pulses. So you call pulse, pulse the thing you eat. Exactly. And okay. the legume is actually the, the, the plant itself, but it is also often used as legumes if you eat it. So I think lots of people use it as synonyms, but actually they're not. That's great. I know. Very wow. interesting. And um, if we stay at the plants uh, and look at them, there's actually like, I mean, we know this, as I said, this beige, roundish um, chickpeas, but there are actually very, a lot of different varieties of chickpeas. And that means that's also different colors of chickpeas. So there are actually black chickpeas. We saw them in the, we went to the Mercato, to Mercato in Torino, and we actually saw these chickpeas at the market there. I do remember You that. remember? I They're remember. Very, like, really black and we just thought about how funny it would be to make a hummus from this black chickpeas oh imagine i know and there's also red chickpeas and like very lime greenish chickpeas so very interesting once again i'm surprised by the variety that exists and we just know a really a, a small part of it it's just so sad because imagine how many dishes we could do with like fresh chickpeas, with I know. black chickpeas, with red chickpeas. Imagine all these varieties of hummus, hummus coming again. But even the the panele, you just fry a dough that is black. I mean, how great amazing. would this be? Amazing. I think we so, should go for it and try to bring these things definitely, back. Definitely. So guys, if you see black chickpeas anywhere, buy them and make a hummus and send us a picture. We want to see it. Please. <laughs> Um, so, and then if we actually talk about the taste of the chickpeas, I don't know, well, what's the taste for you, Fran? Like, well, if you had to describe the taste, um, how would you describe it? Is this very earthy? For me, it's very earthy. Uh, it, yeah. Third. And it's very, um, I don't know, it, it, it's, it's very down to earth. I know it's very mm -hmm. hard to translate this into a taste, but it brings me down to earth. I don't know how to express I agree, actually, I totally agree. It's this earthy flavor and this, for me, it's also a comforting flavor, even though it's not part of my like heritage cuisine or we would have never had it in my house where I grew up. But still for me, it has a really, really comforting taste in my mouth. And also something a little like nutty, this nutty flavor that comes with the chickpea that you have in the hummus when you put the tahini in as well, that kind of supports that. Yeah, yeah, and it's very interesting because if you see, it's like a very basic ingredient, but it has such a strong taste and, and a strong smell also. Like if you cook chickpeas, the whole kitchen smells like chickpeas. Exactly, exactly. It's, I love it. And I love to, to think about that because it's just a simple ingredient and the whole kitchen just will smell like it. I love and it. And it's amazing to... If you're doing it, everyone in the house knows and, and you associate the smell then with the dishes it will do after, which is amazing. I agree. Um, so yeah, and I think now the next thing we want to go into, and Fran has some facts about that, it is what is actually the nutritional value of the chickpea, Fran? I was completely impressed how incredible chickpeas are because they are quite inexpensive and they, they are just so amazing i mean they are a fantastic source of protein of carbohydrates of fiber of b vitamins potassium iron zinc and they even have calcium i mean okay now translating all these nutrients into normal people to normal people like us <laughs> so a cup of chickpeas provides almost one third of an adult's daily protein needs which is a lot wow. if you think about it like and you eat a cup like in a 
if you spread uh, hummus in a bread, you almost eat a, a cup of it. And actually, they have like a lot of potassium, like 400 milligrams of potassium, which is a lot. And besides, I mean, they are full of fiber, uh, which by now we all understand that we need in a daily basis to keep our gut health very happy. So actually, when you eat chickpeas, you are eating a food full of fantastic compounds and you are almost uh, eating, a, you, so you are eating a very lean product with no saturated fat almost wow. and without any cholesterol. So it's really impressive. And it improves digestion, it keeps bowels regular, it regulates blood sugars, and it suppresses your appetite. It's quite impressive, I mean, no? That sounds amazing. <laughs> It's like a miracle ingredient. It's super, but you know what? It does not stop here. Uh, and re the research has proven that the consumption of legumes in general, not only uh -huh. chickpeas, but like legumes and pulses, now that we just learned, exactly. actually, it's very associated with longer longevity longevity with longer okay. so people live longer just by eating legumes which is quite that's insane crazy yeah. that's crazy i was actually very surprised when i when i when I, i was doing this research and so basically the conclusion is just just eat chickpeas because your body will thrive for a long time because you'll live forever but you just need to be you just need to be careful because the thing is Chickpeas, okay. as any pulses, they can get you, uh, they can bring you some discomfort, such as bloating and flatulence. And this is because they have anti nutrients in their skin. Uh, so um, this will cause discomfort during digestion. The good, the good news is that you can easily solve this problem by soaking them overnight to 24 hours. Some people even soak them for 48 hours. You do that, no? I do for you 48. Told me, yeah. yeah, yeah, because my digestion <laughs> is not that fantastic. So I need to soak them for 48 hours. And then what I do, and I learned this uh, in macrobiotics, I cook them with seaweed and with bay leaf. And really? Really. So okay. I soak them for 48 hours and then I change the water three times. The water is very smelly. So you understand that a lot of bad things are going into yes. the water and not into your body, which is great. And then I will cook them with a lot of water, bay leaf and uh, a, a specific seaweed that is called kombu. You find this in every natural uh -huh. store nowadays. And then it's like magic. I feel great. Amazing, amazing. But actually the water that you cook the chickpeas in, you can use it as well, right? I mean the aquafava. That's also impressive. That's very That's... crazy. You can actually, we, we used it in a, in a cooking class we had at, at our university and we made... Uh, we did a chocolate mousse. Exactly. We just beat, after you cook the chickpeas, you beat the water. I mean, you take out the chickpeas, of course. You don't put salt, it's very important. And then you beat the the... I mean, the water, and it just becomes like uh, when you beat eggs. You uh, can use it as a substitute for egg whites, actually. Yeah. So it's a great alternative for vegans to use as a substitute for egg whites. It's very nice. And also, very uh, a friend, uh, one of our friends also told me that she used to do mayonnaise with that. So wow. it's impressive. Amazing. Yeah. So guys, don't throw it away, use it. Yeah, it's amazing. It's actually fantastic. And now, Muriel, tell us about the history of this amazing and super bomb this chickpea. Super, super, it should be a super ingredient. We should name it like the super ingredient. Um, so yeah, um, where does it actually like, where has it originated? Um, we talk about that a lot in our classes as well. Where do, where do ingredients come from? Where do uh, recipes come from? And um, the chickpeas was actually one of the first ever cultivated legumes in the world 
That's what, wow. what, what, what uh, history tells us. And it has been found around 10,000 years ago in modern day Turkey, where Turkey is now. Um, but as I said, like treat this fact with, with, with care because we learned like there's, I mean, this is the first time it has been reported, obviously. So it might've been around for a much longer time. It might've been around in other areas before, but this is what like, what the historic facts that, that, that one could find tell us. So it is originated in Turkey 10,000 years um, ago. And then it, it spread to the Mediterranean region where we see it today as well, around 6,000 years before Christ. And then to India around 3,000 years before Christ. And the name chickpea, do you know where, know where it comes from? I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> okay, so um, the Latin word for it is chicha. And um, it, the, the word chicha possibly originated from the Hebrew word kikar. And kikar means round, rounded. So it's actually it makes so much form. sense. Yeah, it makes so much sense. But also I'm thinking you could name all the peas chichar because they're all around. True. You know, so it's very interesting. I mean, I, we haven't found anything about it, why it was exactly this one, but maybe because it was one of the first ones around. Yeah, so it kind probably. of got the na name for round. Um, anyways, um, this, the, the name um, then originated to fr in the French. They say bois chiche. And bois means pea, and then it kind of translated into the English uh, shish peas, like the pea. Uh -huh. And now we're at we ended up at chick pea. So that's that's where it comes from. Great. Yes. Um, and a very fun fact is like in the Roman Empire, they would actually associate the chick pea to the goddess Venus, and they would say like that if you consume chickpeas, you increase your fertility. So an other ingredient that is like associated with fertility. Wow. Did you know that? I didn't I know that. I have no idea. I, and I also like, I wouldn't really associate chickpeas with fertility. No, not at all. look is not very like appealing or like sexy in any way. It's so <laughs> impressive, really. I know. So they said, actually, they said if you consume chickpeas, um, you would increase your levels of semen and milk production. That's so crazy. I know, it's very interesting. And I mean, yeah, as I said, like lots of foods are, I think, I don't know, that's what they did with lots of foods. They associated them with fertility and maybe it was also a belief system kind of, I don't know. Um, anyways, uh, another very interesting fact of the story of the chickpeas is that in war times, and you knew that, you told me, uh, because you've just learned it in that they did it in Italy as well, um, they would actually use the chickpeas as a substitute for coffee. So if there wasn't enough coffee around in the world times, for example, in World War One in Germany, they would use the, the chickpea and roast it and brew it just as a coffee. A coffee without caffeine, obviously. Yeah, but it's crazy. Also in Portugal, it's very common to have a specific coffee uh, from um, a specific grain. And I don't know if it was also because of the war or we had some kind of shortage, but it stayed. And until now, you can have this not caffeinated coffee that is made with a specific grain. Really? Yeah. Oh my God. We don't have that. We don't. And you still have it nowadays. Some people go to a to a to a place and they ask for this specific coffee. That's so interesting. Yeah, and I probably I, I don't know, but probably also it was like a, a war shortage or something, and then people just do what they need to do. And it's interesting how many. That's what I realized 
or whether it is during our studies now, how many recipes and like just how you handle food come from times of scarcity, actually. Like when people don't have enough, they just have to find other alternative. And this is like a perfect example for that. Exactly. Um, anyways, today um, we have actually, well, in 2019, in the whole world, there were 14 million tons of chickpeas were produced. And to put that into perspective, the soybeans we had... 333 tons, which is a lot, obviously. But if you compare it to peas, peas were produced 24 million tons. So um, I guess it's quite a lot of chickpeas. And what's very interesting is that the production has almost doubled in the last 20 years. So in 2000, we were at a worldwide production of around 8 million tons. So that's pretty impressive. I'm wondering, do you think it's the vegetarian movement that is like... Um stimulating this production because i mean for me chickpeas are arrived in my life when i i turned into a plant-based diet mm -hmm. i mean mostly not that i'm vegetarian but and uh hummus and all of these kind of and curries with chickpeas they just arrived into my life not as a food that i was always that i've always eaten in portugal but as a a food that came from these new dietary choices so i'm wondering if this uh this uh, increase was due to this vegetarian movement. It would be great to know. I know, but I actually think that could be that could be one of the reasons, to be honest. Because I also started eating more chickpeas, started eating more beans when I started eating less animal-based protein. Oh, so, you too. Like yeah, in Switzerland, too. you see that happening. That's yeah, great. Yeah, and I see... Yeah, I mean, we also eat lots of beans. We have more beans, but... Um, also with the chickpeas, yeah, I kind of see that. I mean, I can just speak for the people around me, obviously, for my circle. I don't have any numbers. Um, but that, that's, that could be an interesting, interesting to explore further. Yeah, I think we can explore that exactly. in a new podcast. Exactly. Um, well, anyways, um, the biggest producer is actually India. They produce around 70% of the chickpea that is produced around the world uh, and followed by Turkey, so where it uh, first uh, appeared. Russia, Myanmar, Pakistan, Ethiopia, but they each produce around just 500,000 tons, so very little. So really like India is the, is the main producer of chickpeas. And chickpeas, they're actually not just eaten by humans, but they also start to be used as animal feed. So like uh, soybeans that are like used a lot in, in animal feed, chickpeas can also be used uh, for feeding animals. That's actually quite interesting and it can also... Um... Yeah, it's a very interesting fact. And I will use this interesting fact to go into sustainability. Uh, and you need to stay with me now, guys, because this is the most <laughs> hard part of the podcast because some data we just need to, to give to you. And sometimes this is just not as fun, but it's super interesting and super important. So chickpeas, besides being this super bomb that we're talking here, they might be part of the solution for feeding the growing population. As we already saw, they are actually one of the most nutritious crops on the planet. But besides that, they are actually super important for our planetary health. And let's try to understand why. Just talking about water use, to produce one kilo of chickpeas, you need around 4,000 liters of water. And to put, it, to put this into a perspective, like to produce one kilo of beef, you need 15,000 liters of water. So you all... 15,000, you 15, said? 15,000. Wow. I, I read once Crazy. that it's, it's like leaving your, uh, sh your uh, shower on for like two months. 
Wow, it's insane. I mean, yeah. I mean, this is insane. And one thing is that insane. is important to note is that, like, with one kilo of meat, you feed like two people, and with one kilo of chickpeas, you feed like a whole family. Many people. Many, many people. people, and especially if you do a curry where you put some sauces. I mean, it really uh, it, it fills you up as well. Like, <laughs> if I eat chickpeas, like, especially if you eat a chickpea curry with rice on the side and some naan, like. You're stuffed you for a long time and you feel, but you feel good. I can say you feel good. You feel good. I can confirm you feel good. Yeah. If you, if you soak the chickpeas, I also feel good. If True. not, don't stay with me. <laughs> and so chickpeas, um, they can be an integral part of any agro system because they have an immense positive effect on the ecosystem, just, just like any pulses. But let's understand why. So their cultivation helps to reduce greenhouse gas emissions and provides increased carbon sequestration. While other crops deplete the terrain in which they grow, pulses actually do the opposite because they have the natural ability to fix nitrogen from the atmosphere, which contributes to soil fertility. This is completely insane. So wait, so actually to, to grow chickpeas, it's good for the soil. No, it's good for the soil. So it's not just good for the human, it's also good for the soil. I mean, this thing is getting better and no, better. Look at this. So, to, to, do the, to do this in an easy way, plants need nitrogen fertilizers to grow. So, plants need nitrogen, nitrogen, mm -hmm. nitrogen to grow. And pulses can fix their own nitrog nitrogen. That is, you have infinite nitrogen in the atmosphere. They can fixate this nitrogen from the atmosphere into the soil. And this, besides bringing nitrogen into the soil, it also enhances a lot the soil fertility because this process is a very complex process that is done with a lot of bacteria that are in the soil. So this is what happens down there is a complete mix with bacteria and nitrogen and good things, but the, the result is the soil gets very fertile and you have a lot of nitrogen. So what happens? You you contribute for the soil fertility in the moment, but you also contribute to higher yields in the subs subsequent crop, you see. So for the next one you plant. For, exactly. Wow. So it's good for the, the one that is happening now and then also good for the one that is happening after. So uh, it's just incredible. But it is very important to have in mind that chickpeas on their own do not create all this diversity. So if a farmer switched from cultivating cereal or grains only to just cultivating chickpeas, for example, the farm diversity will not be enhanced. So okay. pulse, pulse crops can benefit the entire system when they are planted as a crucial component, but with multiple cropping systems. So it's actually what you want, like biodiversity. Exactly. So I mean, we, we know that. We, by yeah. now, we should know that, like... Yeah, biodiversity is key. You can't just plant one crop for the soil, for the humans, for the whole system. So just you can, you should, you should, no, you can, you should plant chickpeas, but you should also plant other stuff exactly. around and, it. So it and, creates a system. Exactly. Yeah. And, and this is very important because you will really help the soil to be prepared for the next crop, but you also will, in, as a result, have chickpeas to eat. So... You see? Which is great. Exactly. We know by now. And that's and where tasty. Exactly. So this is also a crop very important for food sovereignty. Because um, so imagine you are in a developing country where you are where you have not, not enough not a lot of water, the farms don't have a lot of money, and they are producing a crop that uses not a lot does not use a lot of water that is very nutritious so they can sell the crop or they can eat the, the chickpea and also um that they can um they, they they save a lot of money because they are not buying nitrogen 
So they are not buying fertilizers. So they save this money by using chickpeas. And as a result, they can sell the chickpea or they can eat the chickpea, which is very nutritious. And especially in this, uh, in, if, if you are talking about a, a, a developing country where most of the farmers don't have a lot of, uh, we are talking about poor, poor farmers a lot of the times. And this is actually very good for them because they are saving in money, but they are also uh, saving in um in what they need to buy for the soil. So they, it's like a win-win. And so just to quickly go back to, you said it's good for food sovereignty. And maybe we, should, we need to quickly say like food sovereignty. I mean, maybe you've heard the term food security, which is actually people that they get enough food, that they get secure food. And food sovereignty goes actually a little further. So that's why this crop is actually great, or the, the chickpea is great for it. Because food sovereignty means that the people, the farmers, they have the right to plant what they want. They have the right to actually decide how it is proceeded. They have the right to... To, to decide how it is sold. Just like talk, like be part of the whole discussion, be part of, for example, if there are policies being made for the farmers that they can participate and discuss within it. And this crop kind of gives them all. Exactly. And even costs less for them. That's and great. costs less. And this is very important because for a lot, we, we learned that most of the farmers, they depend on big corporations to buy seeds and to buy fertilizers and to, to, to buy a lot of things. And this is highly costly. And with chickpeas, is the, it's not costly. And they are even helping their own soil to produce other things. So they just don't need to produce only one crop, but they can produce a lot of crops, benefit from eating a super nutritious crop and then selling it and also selling other things. So this is very important. And also what you said, uh, it, it can be used to feed livestock. So they can use it to feed themselves, to sell and to feed their livestock Perfect. also. So it's really very important. And also, uh, usually in markets, you can receive more money by selling chickpeas than from uh, selling other cereals. So actually, okay. it's also very important for them Great. because they are more valued. Uh, more valuable and um, so the benefits of consuming chickpeas go far beyond just nutri nutrition and this delicious flavor that we all love at least I mean we us too <laughs> two of us <laughs> yeah so you are eating a crop that is improving soil fertility that is fixing nitrogen that does not require a lot of water to be produced that can be grown in arid lands that that don't have a lot of water and that can improve the life of a lot of farmers that depend on it like we said, either to eat or to sell as and they can decide how they want to do, to do it. So it's actually a very, very interesting uh, crop because it's just magic. <laughs> <laughs> so to sum this up, buy chickpeas, guys, eat chickpeas, produce chickpeas if you can. No. Um, But um, we also want to give you with this podcast, for us, it's very important to tell you kind of, or to give you advice on how to consume. For us, it's like, I mean, the more we learn, to be honest, the more confused we are sometimes, the more unsure we are of what we should buy, what is produced sustainably, if you care about that. So we kind of want to give you a tip on how to do this with, with, the, with the ingredients we present. And so with the chickpeas, all we can say is, yeah, buy them, as I say. Um, you should try to get organic chickpeas. So if you're standing in front of the supermarket, just try to see if there's organic chickpeas or maybe go to the mercato, to a market, sorry, in Italy. <laughs> I'm trying to learn mercato. Italian. Mercato. Yes. Um, so buy organic, 
buy as local as possible. They might not produce chickpeas in your own country, but just see that it, that it hasn't traveled a, a lot. That's always or mostly, uh, not always, but it's mostly better if you buy products that are closer from you. Um, here in Italy, for example, they have, they produce organic uh, local chickpeas. So you can buy these ones and then also buy dry. Buy, rather buy the dry pulses, like in general, all the pulses in here with the chickpeas as well, uh, than the ones in the can because they just use less production materials and you get actually more value for your money. So it's cheaper because it's mostly like bigger packages and you, you kind of add the water yourself instead of the can where it's already in there where you pay for it. You know? Exactly. And you are using resources to produce the glass, to produce the aluminium, to produce the can, to pr I mean, you are, and to produce the paper around it. So you are exactly. just using resources that you don't need and you can buy much more with less money if they are dry, which is great. Exactly. But I mean, to be honest, sometimes when I have people over for dinner or for lunch and I want to do a quick hummus, I buy canned chickpeas because it's still so much better in terms of sustainability than just serving up some meat. So just don't tell us if you buy canned chickpeas. But go for the chickpeas. <laughs> But go, go for, for the, the chickpeas. Because it's really impressive to see how just the crop can make such a huge difference. You know, like sometimes we, we don't understand how, uh, how can we make a difference in the world. And sometimes just by consuming these specific crops that are good for the environment and good for our health and good for the farmers, we are already uh, doing a huge step. We are going so further. So I think sometimes it's just going for the simple eating crops that helps to keep our planet alive and our bodies alive. And that's it. Agree. And I think with this one, we let you go. And thank you for listening. And we see you with our next episode. See you guys. Thank you so much. Bye.